What's going on, people of the digital world? My name is Chris Kazama, Fight Club Pro Wrestling, Washington, D.C., best city on earth, best wrestling city on earth. And right now, you're laying down on the mat looking up at the lights, listening to the Three Count Podcast. That's right. Don't kick out. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Chaz Evans, and you are listening to the Three Count Podcast presents, now entering the ring, Chris Kazama! Yeah, this is about as tame as I'll ever get to wave into a uh, void camera. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Chaz Evans, and you're listening to the Three Count Podcast presents, now entering the ring, let's go down the roster. Introducing first... Weighing in at a 225 pounds, he hails from Scotts Bruff, Arizona. He is the Red Dog. He is my partner in crime. He is the man that runs this show because, well, I'm black. Ladies and gentlemen, Cliff Red Dog Miller. All right. New catchphrase. Yeah, that's it. That's my catchphrase. Sorry, guys. And introducing second, he is the 42-time African-American Negro spiritual headband-wearing, hide your kids, hide your wife, slap your mama because the fried chicken tastes like crack. He put himself over again because he books himself that way. He is Chris Idol. I have one exception to that intro this week. The one time you mentioned me wearing a bandana, I'm actually wearing a do-rag. Bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and introducing last, the man that's on this show only because he's my little brother and he's been quarantined with me because, hey, they canceled school. He, on- he only watches YouTube videos, and that means Wrestle Talk and Walt Culture. So, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Napster, Little JJ. Oh, wait. You're stop, le- stop, stop, stop. You know what? I'm yeah. going to take it over. I'm not Little JJ anymore. I'm not legal, so it's JJ. But anyway, <clears throat> I'd like to thank the sidewalks for keeping me off the street. You know, it's, it's deadly out there. Times are tough. Uh, wash your hands, because, you know, dirty bastards. I just have to say, man, it's incredible that you went 0 for 3 in intros today. <laughs> like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, think, I, don't, I don't know. Yo, what Scott's Bluff, Arizona. That, yeah. no, first of all, Scott's Bluff, Nebraska. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah. That's just, I don't know yeah. what's going on with me today. It's Friday. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. I'm never, I'm never going to sing that. Don't ever do that again. I'm, I'm sorry. Don't ever do that again. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, let's get back to why we're here. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Kazama is on the three count, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, is that right? to say something? I don't have anything witty to say. <laughs> I don't have any canned jokes here. I'm, I'm just workshopping material. <laughs> oh, man. What's up, man? Uh, Not much. I'm here with my four dogs on the couch. I just got through playing Madden. 
Uh, and that's actually what took, uh, what was the reason the connection took so long is because I had to figure out where my headset was, uh, because I threw it earlier. So, uh, I just had to, uh, to find that, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to be here on the, uh, the podcast conglomerate known as the three count. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to have you. Um, we're going to get right down to business. Let's get in the mind of Chris Kazama. First question. <laughs> How did you get into wrestling? Like, everyone has a story. What's your story? Uh, so my story is a little bit weirder. So uh, my joke is that I was born into wrestling. My mom was a huge wrestling fan. Her favorite wrestler was Kerry Von Erich. Uh, I'm, I was born in Oklahoma, so we, we've got strong, like, Oklahoma wrestling, like, Texas wrestling vibes. Um, so I was born in St. Anthony's Hospital, Oklahoma, which uh, is the same hospital that, like, Charlie Haas was born in. So, like, when she was delivering vader versus Shawn michaels was on the tv screen and so like i i guess at that moment i was hooked but then like my reintroduction to wrestling my dad was a tape trader so like my first actual real wrestling was like 1990s like all japan um so i would watch that and i would watch a lot of all japan i would watch a lot of like wrestling and romance uh and then like when i turned 12 i got introduced to the wwf and it kind of just kind of just spiraled downhill from there <laughs> See that's 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 what I say. Yeah, once I got into wrestling, it that's it just spiraled spiraled down. I usually say that when I met uh, Chris Idol, that's when my my wrestling fandom it just started spiraling spiraling down, and and I haven't gotten out of the rabbit hole since. So, um, we know uh, we know Chris Kazama the wrestler, but for those that don't know, you are a promoter. And, I am. Um, you're actually my favorite promoter. So. Aww. And I'm not just saying that because uh, you're on the show. You are my favorite promoter. <laughs> and I want to know, how did Fight Club Pro Wrestling come to be? Um, so we, uh, John, 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 um, Jonathan Martin, Trey Bravo Delta, uh, Johnny Cross, had this idea to create a championship to um, give, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm so lost on words today. Representation. Uh, for kids that looked like us uh, growing up, there wasn't a lot of like wrestlers that we could latch on to. There was the the racially ambiguous rock. Um, there was D'Lo Brown. There was you know there were there were the smattering of, of guys that looked like us, but they weren't like real top people that really looked like us. Um, so he had this idea on the independent level. It's like, look, we can try to make a difference here and make something that represents us. And I was actually brought into the project very late, but it was. Uh, Right before we ran our first joint show, August 25th, 2019, we ran a show with uh, another DC company called C3W, um, where we were started our tournament and we had people vote in and, and uh, wrestlers send in their video promos and fans vote on those wrestlers that they wanted to see in the tournament. And um, C3W and us had some, um, some differences, we'll say. And uh, it was at that point we decided that maybe we would want to try to promote on our own. And uh, basically not knowing, we, we, we all have professional uh, backgrounds, but we also have yard backgrounds. So we all just kind of took to the, the old yard standard of if we can try it, why not try it? And if it fails, it fails. But if it doesn't, then let's keep going. And so we all kind of, uh, uh, Seraphop, uh, Tyreek, uh, Latif, myself, John, uh, very late in the process now, uh, Jamila as well. Um, but we put our heads together and we just decided that we needed to maybe try to do this on our own. And my uh, last question for me is, did you always wanted to be a promoter? Uh, no, 
No, I, I never actually wanted to be a promoter. Promoting kind of fell into my lap because I, I started doing it in the yard. And uh, we didn't have anything in D.C., just like I'm sure there wasn't really anything in Maryland as well. I'm sure Chris can uh, attest to that. Um, there, there's, there wasn't wrestling really in the DMV. Like the closest schools were so far away, so you kind of had to make it yourself. I always wanted to be a commentator. That's that's what I wanted to do 100 percent of the time. I wanted to call matches. I, you guys looked up to The Rock and Angle. I looked like I looked up to like Jr. and and Heenan and 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 uh, Zabisco. Like I I always wanted to be an announcer. So just kind of lucking up into being a promoter is cool because now I can make myself an announcer. So, um, with that being said, like, you know, being a promoter and stuff, like, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've uh, had in running uh, the promotion? Personally, not knowing. Can we curse on this show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, man. Wow, okay, that was aggressive. (laughs) All right, um, yeah, it's just, for me, generally, just not knowing what the fuck I was doing, uh, which I think is the benefit to me. Like, I've... I've booked on like a yard level and I've booked on like this like median yard level where we all kind of came together and did some pretty cool stuff, but not on the level where like people would pay attention. And uh, John and Tyreek and Seraphop really told like we all sat down. We were like, yeah, we can do this. And so at least for me, the general like biggest obstacle has just been not learning on the job, which is, I guess, been my life story. Uh, just kind of learning what I'm doing as I'm doing it. And if I fail, then I learn from that and kind of keep going forward. But yeah, man, it's just a struggle to sometimes just know what the fuck to do when it comes to things like like promoting and, and booking talent and trans and, and paying people. And I didn't know how any of that worked. And I've like wrestled on shows, like pro shows, and I've not, I don't know how any of that works. So like learning that was like the most difficult thing of like, being a promoter i think okay and then like like how have you been able to reach out to so many wrestlers like are how what kind of how are you using utilizing the connections that you build upon um so the the cool thing is that um as i said we've all kind of come myself sarah fop tyreek and john have come from like four different backgrounds of wrestling but we've all kind of now intersected with our own knowledge. So uh, John did professional wrestling like full force. Tyreek has kind of been in the scene as well, Seraphop as well. And I've kind of been adjacent because I've worked at like, uh, I worked at Ground Zero Wrestling here in Richmond and I did sales here for like a year. And then I kind of matriculated to another place and I did uh, backstage stuff there. So also just learning people, making friends before we got here. A lot of people come from backyard wrestling a lot of wrestlers that really good wrestlers come from backyard wrestling so just maintaining friendships and just making sure that you're like a decent person i think and uh as long as you're not a douche you can reach out to people and say hey man uh, i i remember fred yehi for example it will be the perfect example Uh, i've never met fred yehi a day in my life um, but we have known each other for going on 10 years now because we always would watch each other's backyard wrestling shows. So when it came time to book our first uh, main event, I threw out the suggestion that like, hey, maybe I can get Yehi. And it was like a two minute conversation. I asked him if he had the date open and he said, yeah, we've always had a mutual respect for each other. So just always kind of maintaining a level of professionalism on the way up and just keeping that once you're here, I think uh, has been the biggest thing for me anyway. What would you think? What would you say your style of uh, like promoting matches is? Oh man, it it really depends because I I, I 
John really likes to tell stories in the ring. And I've bought into that philosophy of we're going to be the Fed that, yeah, we booked the best matches, but we're also going to entertain you as well as, like, physically entertain you. We're going to entertain your eyes. We're going to entertain your minds. We're going to entertain your kids. Because at the end of the day, this is this is for kids. So um, my style is kind of like the rebellious style of anything goes in wrestling. I'm a big purveyor of wrestling being an art form. Uh, there's nothing concrete in wrestling that anything can evolve as long as it's told properly and as long as it makes sense. And so I've always uh, decided to take the route of believing in if I can make the goofiest match possible, if that goofy match has the right people in it and the right stakes and we can make people the right invested as the match is coming, then the match will be great and people will have fun and they'll remember it. So I'm always, uh, at least for booking and promoting shows, it's always, we're going to just have the most fun you can possibly have. I don't even care if the wrestling is good, honestly. Like, we just lucked into being able to get access to a bunch of really dope wrestlers. But as long as people come into our show and, like, hey, we paid $20 and this was the best two and a half or three or however long, if this is the best time I've had for my money, then it's mission accomplished for me. Okay. Okay. So, um, Chaz burned all of my questions because um, I wasn't informed that we weren't allowed to talk about you as a wrestler. I mean, we can if you want to. I don't I care. Didn't say we weren't allowed. Pause. I didn't say that. You're not gonna. You're not gonna bury me today. Strongly implied it. I sent in my questions, and he said. He's not a wrestler. He's a promoter. So I said, oh, well, excuse me. I didn't know we weren't allowed to talk about his wrestling. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't. Listen, so, I'm here. Whatever you guys want to get into, I'm down to get into. <laughs> so, okay, cool. So now that we squared that away, I want to know, my first question, what's the hardest you've ever been hit inside of a wrestling ring? Oh, boy, the hardest I've ever been hit inside of a wrestling ring. Um, I remember once, actually, I remember vividly now, um, Bobby Knowles gave me, like, a shoulder tackle, and I'm, you know, me, I'm my size, so I'm pretty intimidating, and so I don't know if Bobby Knowles was just trying to establish that he's still the top dog in Baltimore, but I wanted him to know that I, there was no competition, I wasn't gunning for that spot, I'm not built for that life, uh, but he still, like, went is into me as if we were playing football and it was between me and the Super Bowl and I was standing right in between him and glory and holding Lombardi's trophy. And so he plastered into me. And once I woke up and saw my body, like it was like an out of body experience because I like looked up to me. It's like, Oh, that's how it is to get hit really hard in this wrestling thing. Like maybe I should like not do that anymore. And so like, <laughs> I got up and then we did this thing because also like immediately after him and Metal were going to try to lift me up and like flip me over the top rope uh, to eliminate me from like this pre-rumble bullshit. I was, was going to some really bad booking things because there was some really situations that we were just not have been put in. But um, yeah, it was just like I got knocked senseless and like tasteless and then I had to like take this over the top rope bump and I hated every bit of it and I don't like to talk about it. So this will be the last time we do it. <laughs> oh man okay my my last question is if you could go back in time and change one thing that you did throughout your entire wrestling <laughs> what would it be 
Oh man. Uh, I've done a lot of things uh, in my wrestling career. I think that's what I'm most notorious for, at least in, in our circle, is uh, is having my hand in a lot of pots, and I've been called a lot of names. Uh, I think if I could change one thing, I would be like even douchier. Like I, I feel like it. I pulled that's up I a little bit. It. Like especially as I got older, I felt like I was like, you know what? Let me close it up. Like I feel like I really should have put my dick in a couple things. Like I really should have like really stubbed my toe in and, and really just like grinded it out and saw what, what would happen. Uh, because any situation that I've gotten myself in, and I get myself into a lot of situations, but I'll fit, generally find my way out one way or another. So I really feel like I should have just antagonized a lot more situations than I did, and uh, felt like what happened. This is why I love him. <laughs> I really should have put my dick in that United Wrestling situation. Like I felt like I really like lagged up a little bit, but I really should have like all that bomber stuff when Bomber said that we couldn't book anything and that nobody would watch our products and that once he left that nobody would do anything. And then suddenly we started getting hundreds of views on our videos and people started filling up that warehouse when we did it. But hey, it is neither here nor there. We're both divorced, so I guess we can't talk about failures. Boop. <laughs> That was like, that wow. Was like, that was like poetry in motion. Beautiful. Yeah, you guys, we got to come back. We got to have a we got to have a podcast where Kazama just tells stories. Oh no. <laughs> Listen, I'm down for that. I'm always down for a Kazama story. <laughs> I'm always down. I'm always oh. down. All righty. I guess it's my turn, little old me. All righty. Um <clears throat> my first question would be since we had a uh, Studio 22 on could you tell us the story about uh, the Landino heat? Uh, I sure can. Uh, it's embodied voice that I can't see. Um, yeah, so uh, there was a joke on Facebook where uh, I can't remember what it was, but we were saying we equated Andino to Eddie Guerrero, and then Dwayne called him Andino heat. And then uh, Fred called him Landino heat. So we started making all these memes. Uh, I, he had this like he took this picture where he looked like a, a gawking duck with glasses on, and he was like facing up, and he's got these really chubby cheeks. He's got a fat face, and so he's like looking up, and his fat face was like meatball face, was just like quacking up. So I took that and I put it on a Zatarans commercial, and so then we decided to um, like make it full blown. So the show was coming up, and Tyreek goes to our ring announcer and says, "Hey, can you announce him?" And Nino's got this really intricate interest, and he did this really cool thing where he came out and he fought, and then he went back, and then he actually did his interest, which is the coolest thing I'll ever say, but he'll never hear that from me, so fuck him. But after he did that, like, we told our ring announcer, like, hey, whatever you do, whatever ridiculous intro names that he likes to do, which is, like, uh, 228.4 pounds or some dumb thing that he saw in Ring of Honor in 06. So uh, after that, we wanted him to say, hey, call him Andino Heat. And she did, and he didn't notice it. So we were like, you know what? We're going to go full-fledged into it. So me and Tyreek started an Andino heat chant, and the whole Fight Club arena started an Andino heat chant, and then my dick got hard because I accomplished something with my friends to call another friend a dead Latino and wrestler because he's an alive Latino wrestler who I wish was dead. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I was a part of that uh, Andino heat chant. <laughs> also, how does it know to, how does it feel to know that you were like one one hundredth responsible for an erection? Wow. Ponder yeah. that. Just think about it. Let, let that marinate in there. <laughs> I wow. promise you that's not the first time it's happened. I won't be the last either. <laughs> 
I'm at least choking. Oh man, you good? Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So, okay. Um, since you are a promoter and you yes. uh, booked probably hundreds of matches, what was probably the worst match that you've ever booked? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I know this immediately. Or do I? There's a bunch of... I've booked some stinkers, man. I mean, like, like, a, like absolute what-the-fuck, like, shitty. Like, early DCW days when we were wrestling at the park, I feel like every match I booked was awful. Like, looking back on it in retrospect, back then we thought we were fucking killing it. Like, you couldn't tell us we weren't Brian Danielson. But, like, now looking back at it, like, it was, like, we couldn't lock up correctly. Like, we were, like, shoving people. It was just the awful, the worst. But uh, there was this guy named... Um, his name was Greg, and he went through like seven like characters. Like he was like Greg Glover, and then he was a soccer goalie, and his name was Greg the Goal Keeper because he was a goalkeeper. But his last name was Keeper, so he was Greg Keeper, and his nickname was the Goal. But remember, he's a goalie, so he's a goalkeeper, right? Layers, right? This guy sat up for hours thinking about that. But he was just an awful, awful wrestler. Like he was just, <laughs> just the worst human being alive and so he had this match with a guy named matt kang and i still to this day think is like one of the best wrestlers i've ever seen in my life so if he was gonna have a stinker with him like there was no future for him like not just in wrestling but like in life because you can't at some point you just have to take the dots and connect them yourself and if you can't connect the dots yourself there's not much hope for you so they had this like seven minute match in the park and matt was doing all these cool things that like people who are fat and have titties shouldn't do and he was just like busting them out and greg is like six foot four like 300 pounds and he's just like and he if you took caillou and you added, like, 50 pounds and, like, a beard that didn't connect, and he was black. He looked just like that. Now, imagine that trying to sell offense, but the only thing he would do was go, Ugh. So every time that Matt Canyon would do a move, Greg Goalkeeper, who, mind you, was a goalie, would go, Ugh. And so it was just seven minutes of Greg going, Ugh. 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 Right, it was like a tennis match, just the worst tennis match you've ever heard in your life if you were blind. Uh, so finally, Greg uh, goes for this like, and mind you, again, he's like six four, like three hundred pounds, and he goes for this sunset flip. And Matt Canyon is um, uh, the smallest human being possible, but like pudgy. He's like literally Taz. He's literally Taz, but like nineteen shades darker. And Taz is like light skin as it is, so you can imagine that. So he goes for this sunset flip, and he hits his head. And he, like, busts his head wide open, and he's bleeding. And then Matt rolls through, and he gets him with, like, his finish. And then, like, Greg just lays there. And he's like, yeah, I killed it. And he was never invited back to DCW ever again, because he, he did not kill it. He, whatever the opposite of killed it is, it was very alive. It was extremely alive. And, uh, yeah, it was awful. All right, I have, I have one final question for you. Uh, any talent you'd be interested in, you know, booking for a fight club? Um, still life, I think, is someone with the uh, apricots and pears is someone who I would love to see in fight club. Jazz is is someone who we have worked uh, and we've put in some work to try to get into fight club. Uh, basically, if you were cool, we want you in fight club. Like, I, I. If you're dope, and, and more more importantly, if you're a good human being, we want you in Fight Club. That's one of my dogs. Yeah, if you're just a good human being, and you're cool, and you're 
Uh, just if you're if you're just a good person, that's all we want. We want good people. If you're a great wrestler or not, we want good people. We want good stories. We want good vibes. That's the only thing that we really care about at Fight Club is good vibes and making sure that people have as much fun as they possibly can while we give the representation that we deserve or that we feel that people of color and the LGBTQ community deserves. All right. Now it's time for the rapid fire questions. All right. So here we go. The imaginary timer is on. Ding. And here we go. Okay. Best match you've ever seen? Uh, Ka- uh, Kaiba Eno versus Matt Canyon. Favorite movie? Uh, get him to the Greek. Batman or Superman? Batman, if, if he doesn't get audited. <laughs> Favorite color? Uh, F6, which I think is black. Favorite food? Uh, edible. <laughs> Smackdown <laughs> Raw. Uh, I'm black, so Smackdown. Hey, favorite curse word? All of them. Fuck, particularly. Yes. <laughs> uh, Nike or Adidas? Uh, I was poor, so neither. Chris Andino or Goldberg? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, can I just can oh. I just commit suicide? Uh, if I, how about I just how about we have Goldberg versus Chris Sandino at Super Showdown while it's 100 degrees outside and hopefully Goldberg will drop Andino on his head. I'll take ah. that answer. <laughs> and last but not least, AEW or NXT? Uh, right now neither. I don't think either are pulling like an entertaining product out right now. Uh, I think the fans not being at either one of those products hurts that product the most. And if I'm going to be honest, if we're getting into like actual pro wrestling hot takes, like I don't think there's been a better show in the last 20 years than like current Raw and SmackDown. They're like hitting on every cylinder right now. Fuck the fans. Don't bring, ever bring the fans back. They can have fans at pay-per-views, but like the weekly shows should always be no fans because this is awesome. See, Chris <laughs> said that the other day and I, and I, and I was like, it doesn't sound like a bad idea. He said the like, same exact thing. <laughs> imagine Edge trying to cut that true grit promo where he's like got Edge face and Edge eyes and he's got very distinct Edge eyes and he's cutting that promo and then some assholes in Milwaukee every time he shuts sh- his mouth goes, what? Yeah, imagine that. Imagine how fucking dumb that promo would have been and they had to send Randy Orton back there because the assholes in Milwaukee, Wisconsin just wants to go, what? Well, Edge is giving this super passionate promo about true grit and making WrestleMania and there's these fucking jerk-offs in Milwaukee who want to get themselves over. Fuck the fans. Keep You can have takeovers and pay-per-views, but like Raw and SmackDown should always be no fans. You've lost your privileges. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the word spoken true by Chris Kazama. That's me. <laughs> oh man, because I'm. I want to say just thank you for being on, man. Like, yeah, this was awesome. A lot. Like, yeah, I'm so, super so happy, happy to have been here. I had a ton of fun. Oh man, very glad. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, you can catch Fight Club Pro Wrestling on um IWTV. Um, I think if you can still, I think the code is Fight. You can get a five day free trial. F one G H T. Boom. It's five days. Free trial. So we have five day free trial of IWTV uh, code F1GHT. And honestly, if you just DM me on Twitter, I'll give you like the, the Fight Club, like uh, the company profile. If you could just watch our show 30 times, as a matter of fact, go to work and just loop our show for free. Dope. I'll, we could work something out. Boom. There it is, guys. Free hookup later. <laughs> if you can catch Fight Club on IWTV.
Well, that's all the time we have today. My name is Chaz Evans, here with Chris Idol, here with JJ, Red Dog, and the man, the godfather of the DMV Wrestling. I'm getting that over, brother. So quickly. The godfather of DMV Wrestling, Chris Kazama. Good night. See you later, and we'll catch you guys next time. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is JJ, one-fourth of the Three Count Podcast. Make sure that you follow us on all the social medias. Make sure you subscribe on all podcasting platforms. And make sure you share with all your friends. JJ out.